Hello, I'm Denise Urbans. And I'm Mike Urbans, and welcome to It's Your Water. I'm glad you found us. Well, today's topic is, are you cheating enough? Uh Uh-oh. Cheating could be a good thing. I do it all the time, and you guys think I'm so smart? (laughs) Well, I got you fooled. Well, most of you fooled, but others, you know my secret. And what my secret is, is a special stash of technical cheat sheets. They're stuck on my wall right next to my desk. And you know, my mother said I should share. She's a good lady, 92 years old. She doesn't like that anybody to know that. No. She's a butt-kicking old Italian lady. <laughs> We're not going to let her hear that hear either. that either. <laughs> now, she never listens to these podcasts. But today only, for my loyal listeners, we'll tell you where these are stashed on our website. Where are they stashed in? Well, as you can imagine, Mike being as self-centered as he is, if you go to our website along the top, you'll see something called Mikeopedia. You've got Wikipedia, we've got Mycopedia. And if you scroll down a little bit below the WQRF contaminant occurrence map, keep going, keep going, right at the bottom you'll see most popular cheat sheets for your downloading pleasure. That's where they are. You might have to work to get them, but they're worth it. I'll go through these. These are real, 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 real important. Over all the years I've been doing this, I've ripped off other people. So I basically cheated with cheat sheets or stole cheat sheets from other people who were cheating. <laughs> no, other people who did all the calculations. Well, they the did all the way. calculations. So I've compiled them and we've maybe tweaked them a little mm-hmm. over the years. But things really don't change. Water is a science. And you have colded water or warm water. That's about the only difference is the properties of cold and warm water. The most important one, I think, because all the other charts that I'm going to tell you about kind of revolve around fiberglass tank volume data. Well, it says typical tank fiberglass because they're not atypical like a weird deer out there with many antlers. But uh, hunters, you know what I mean. Back on track. Back on track. So typical fiberglass tank data, what we've done was got the tank diameter of fiberglass tanks we all know and love from 7 inch up to 48 inch because they're 90 percentile we use a 10 inch right 10 to 13. Mm -hmm. Why this is so important is manufacturers if you pull a spec sheet say for carbon activated carbon they give you a range of backwash rate in square footage People think it's cubic foot. The problem is in this industry, I always said this with my guys, is we think in cubic feet, a 1054, that's one and a half cubic feet, 10 9 by 48 or 1044 tank, that's one cubic foot. And we don't know the science or we choose not to dig deep into the science behind why do they have a 10 inch tank? Why is it a 2.4 gallon per minute backwash rate on a 10-inch softener. Why? No. Well, it's per square footage of the diameter of that tank. So you take a cross-section and you do it in square foot, pi r squared. All this is done for us on this handy-dandy chart. So the easy tank is a 10-inch tank. Why is it easy? Because the diameter of a 10-inch tank is actually almost a half a square foot half a square foot in there so say uh tank carbon manufacturer mm-hmm. activated carbon is eight to ten gallons a minute 
per square foot. That's the range, 8 to 10. You say, why is it 8 to 10? Well, Florida, the water is very warm, so it's less dense. So you need more water to give it oomph to lift and expand the bed. Cold water up north is more dense, so it takes less gallon a minute. So up north, we'd use 8 gallon a minute per square foot to backwash a 10-inch diameter tank. So, okay, all right, Mike, you're blowing my mind with the math here. So 8 gallon a minute per square foot. 10-inch tank is a half a square foot, half a eight. Four. Four, see? And four gallon a minute to backwash a 10-inch carbon tank up north in cold water. Mm -hmm. So I'd say this chart is super critical commercially, industrially. You don't want to get in trouble with that. Now, they give you service flow rates in square footage, too. So that's real critical. Your square footage in... So say Green Sand Plus, mm -hmm. we all know that, and Pyrolox Advantage. That is very conservative, a five gallon a minute per square foot. If you do the math and you got 15 gallons a minute, it's like five gallon a minute. You can only really run it. Well, I'm confusing myself, but I don't have a calculator here. But what I'm getting at is it's a very conservative flow rate on service flow rate. So and sometimes the backwash flow rate is twice the service flow rate, and you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. Residentially, everybody's got a 10-gallon a minute well, and it's hard to screw yeah. up. But you can screw up big time when you get above like the 13-inch tank. Mm -hmm. Don't screw up there. But this is like the first part of the key, of the keystone of every chart going forward. Okay. So... This is the one they should have on the wall. You should have this one on the wall. Or as a shortcut. Yes. Typical fiberglass tank volume data. That is the mother of all charts here. So going forward, I'm going to go through the other cheat sheets, but they all come back to the square footage of surface area. But we've done the math for you. Now, to throw you another complete curveball, just saying this carbon they size it in empty bed contact time ebct mm -hmm. empty bed contact time in minutes and you're like what is this now if you say the dep comes at you uh, your department of environmental resources or wherever you have there and they kind of dictated that there's a contact time for carbon so it's the amount of time that that water hangs out in that bed, in the velocity it goes through the bed in gallons per minute, that the carbon has time to react with the contaminant you're trying to remove. So say chlorine is very easy. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a flash thing that happens with carbon. It's on the surface. It doesn't have to get into the nooks and crannies. No. So it's only two minutes. Two minutes of, well, you think, well, wow, two minutes is a long time. Well, it is. So we got this really cool formula that revolves around gallons per cubic foot. And I'm going back to cubic feet. Right. So how many gallons are in a cubic foot, everybody? Raise your hands. 7.481 gallons in a cubic foot. So what you, we did is we got a neat little chart. And we tell you, chlorine, two minutes. So you put in your two minutes, your gallons per minute, you divide it by 7.481, blah, blah, blah. Here's the chart. Look at the chart and you'll know what I mean. VOCs, that's 
like trichloroethylene and other contaminants that we have another chart that tells yeah, you. It's a different chart altogether. It tells you what carbon favors, what VOC. Which carbon to use for the VOC. For the VOC. But seven minutes. Here's a little trick. Seven to ten. Some places want ten minutes for PFAS, PFOA. They want a long time. What happens? They is, want the water to just boogie on down. Yeah, and I just in there. Say hello to everybody. Slow. Yep. How you doing, Mr. Carbon? Great, Mr. PFAS. Yeah. I'm gonna eat you up today. The VOCs are seven to ten minutes. Like, whoa. So now your carbon absorber becomes huge. If you go by pure math, seven minutes of empty bag contact time is almost one cubic foot of carbon per gallon per minute. Wow. So five gallon a minute. You imagine a five cubic foot system in this house. In your basement. Ten gallon a minute, ten cubic feet. Yeah. Well, we cheat a little. We put like three and a half cubes in one tank and three and a half in the other. Lead lag comes into one, goes out the other. Now, that's your total carbon. Now, here's the funny part. Commercially, yeah, they're running water really fast. But a homeowner, think about of a homeowner. Their empty bay contact time, maybe seven minutes in the morning when everybody's taking showers. But it might be four hours during the day when no one's there. Right. That carbon, that VOC is hanging inside that carbon for half a day. Sure. So it's, it's a little bit of finesse you got to do with VOCs and carbon. Mm -hmm. But- Chlorine is very simple. What about chloramine? Chloramine, yeah, a double chlorine. Okay, it so needs it's time. Four you, gallons a minute. You need a catalytic carbon. Okay. For chloramine, you need more reactive carbon to destroy the ammonia. Also, more time. More time, yeah, four minutes. We should add that, I guess, to the chart here. But hydrogen sulfide with carbon, about four minutes. Well, it takes a little bit longer. That's a wonky chart there, but it's real important. If you're going to do any activated carbon sizing, I love this formula. This is the only one I really haven't memorized, to be honest with you. The rest of them are like, Ugh. but getting old. That's real critical. That's a real gem of a chart. Mm -hmm. I like that one. So it's a conductivity chart, but we won't talk That's about that That's very handy, one. yes. That thing's handy, but yeah. ugh, between you and I, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like mind-numbing. Yeah. So the other chart I use the most is the one... Remember, I was going back to the original, the, the granddaddy is the tank volume data chart. And I said, well, we did all the math for you. Mm -hmm. Well, we have softener and filter technical data where we got, of course, what do we use the most softeners and filters? But the multimedia filter, I should change this to filter ag plus because I really don't sell multimedia anymore. It's, no, no. No, it's old, it's buggy whip kind of technology. Mm -hmm. Filter Ag Plus is basically the same backwash rate. So where we did with that is we gave you, this is the one I really use, is the commercial tanks. We tell you how much gravel to put in. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's always, always a challenge. <laughs> I always forget. It's like, how oh, much gravel in the What tank? size? This is where people think I'm a genius. I just look over. It's a 30-inch tank, 200 pounds, give or take. Give or take the distribution system you have in the bottom. Hub and lateral. Takes a little less than those coffee can distributors, but taller your distributor, basically get one or two inches of gravel above your hub and lateral. Okay, just since we're on gravel, which size do you recommend? Well, there's two different types. There's quarter by eighth inch, and there's eighth by sixteenth, which is finer. 
both work just fine. Okay. So if you've wound up, if you have 8 by 16th in your warehouse, it's not a disaster. Just use just, it. Just use it. You can usually use it commercially. I couldn't believe we did back in the day. Oh, back in the day. That's, we used that's 8 by 16th. preferred. I always thought it was too fine. But gravel helps the dispersion path in your bed. A lot of people don't use it residentially, and you don't use it in a vortex-style tank or clack-plated tank. You don't need it because the distribution plate does it for you. Okay. But then I have the cubic feet of resin, which is also great commercially. And maximum softening capacity. Of course, we have hyper new high-efficiency softeners out there, which kind of screws this chart up, but this is a good rule. We've always taken the conservative side. Yeah. We did 10 pounds per cubic foot on this chart, so we don't take into the super high-efficiency softeners. This is just a good old point your thumb and squint your eye kind of chart. The reason I like but this chart is good is it tells you how much of each media of the multi to put in the media. Okay. So it tells you how much gravel, how much garnet, sand, anthracite, mm-hmm. and then the backwash. That's why it's a good cheat sheet. People ask me all the time, how much? Uh, yeah, know. I know. I tell them and they buy stuff. The next one here is where we took the media the raw media, and we looked at all the spec sheets that the manufacturers give us, and remember the first chart, tank volumes data chart, and we did the math for you. But this chart's really good. It tells you the backwash volume, backwash rates, and for media and resin per square foot. So we have activated carbon, anion resin. Anion resin's very light. You can get your in a ringer there if you don't pay attention to anion resin because it, people don't realize how light it is. Yeah. It kind of looks like cation. It's blonde, except for yeah. macroporous, which is white and eggshell looking. Right. So it's like styrofoam balls, I tell everybody. It's like you're backwash and yeah, styrofoam. Yeah, a very expensive styrofoam. Yeah, 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 you don't want that going out the drain. So this is a, It's about eight pounds lighter in weight. It is. Well, 45 pounds versus 52. 52, so. 53. And that's why we don't sell resin by the pound, folks. Yeah, yeah. It goes into calcite, which is like green sand, uh, not calcite, sorry, calcite, which is the limestones that we use up north here to buffer the pH. Filter ag, filter ag plus, green sand plus, and KDF, which you can't backwash anyway. It's like huge. 30 gallons a minute per square wow. foot. Wow. Say anion resin is only two to three gallon a minute per square foot. <laughs> so what do you do? You have to use a skinny tank, right? So you have to use multiple skinny tanks. So that's where you do the finesse to these charts is you use that tank volume data and you look at it and you look at what the backwash rate per square foot is. And you say, oh my gosh, it's exceeding my pump, my well pump rate. What do I do? Well, you use maybe three eight-inch tanks instead of one 13-inch tank. So multiples and divide the flow with the manifold between all three tanks mm-hmm. because you're going to obtain the service rate, but you can't get the backwash The backwash, rate. Yes. That's where people get in trouble. Sometimes the backwash rate exceeds the service rate by, by a lot. two factor yeah. or more. The backwash volume data chart for media and resin per square foot, that one's another nice one there. And it does an example calculation at the bottom. So if you're writing all this stuff down, just look up that chart and just that. use the math. We did it for you. Again, remember temperature. Down south, warm water, 
more volume. You need warm water. It's like an airplane. They need more runway in warm weather to lift because the air is less dense. Same thing with water. You need more volume to get your bed fluffed with warm water. Okay. Cold water is dense. That's one of the aha moments I had many years ago, why they vary. So that's where these charts kind of take in the, variability. the variables. Mm-hmm. Next one is a filter media operational guidelines is where we kind of did the same thing, but we also gave you the guidelines of pH, uniformity coefficients. What the heck is that? That is the sizing, how uniform the sizing mesh is when they do it for a government spec. It's usually a municipal specification. Municipal, they yeah. say, You're well, working with- it has to be a 1.6 because the screens are... Yeah, it's a spec of size in the mesh and how uniform it is. You see that in the AWWA specifications. They want to make sure it's consistent from lot to lot, bed sure. to bed, year to year. I get it. pH is real critical. There's a lot of pH range on certain material. And temperature, like cation resin, can take a whole lot of temperature. It's amazing how much it's overboiling, I believe. Yeah, you're going to fry the tank and internals yeah, before you fry the whole, resin. Everything will melt before you melt your resin, especially anion. Type, type two, 2 is very sensitive. You can't put more than 95 degrees. Yeah. You'll fry it and blow it to pieces. Well, to a certain extent. It just turns into type 1. Right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and pH range is more critical with cation resin anion. You can run them from 0 to 14. But, of course, that'll screw up your application. Yeah, I want to do that. Your regeneration. Yeah, regeneration's all that. But I'm just saying, it's just... Curious. Mm-hmm. The geek in me just looks like, wow, really? You can run that? Yeah. So we did that for you. But most of the pH operational ranges is the performance of the media that we put in here. When you're oxidizing, you want a higher pH. Contaminants come out of solution with a higher pH. So you want to keep it up around 7.5 to 8.2. And you're oxidizing like filter berm or catalox or whatever. They perform better at a higher pH. I'm critical of oxidating medias like Green Sand Plus, Pyrolox Advantage, they give you a 6.5. I like to run them seven or higher mm-hmm. because your performance is really sluggish at 6.5. Mm-hmm. And the performance is how well it oxidizes and how fast it oxidizes, which comes into your empty bed contact times. It comes into your service flow rate. You might be able to run it a little faster if you bump your pH up. Mm-hmm. So, There's a little finessing of these numbers, but just take them for not as gospel. Just take them as a guideline to keep you out of trouble. So this one here, Filter Media Operational Guidelines, goes into the mesh size, uniformity code, effective size, weight per pounds per cubic foot, service flow rate, peak gallon a minute, service per square foot, your minimum bed depth. That's important. That's important, yeah. That's real important. Backwash flow rates. If you don't have enough mineral and your bed's too short, eh, it's not going to collect all the things you're wanting to collect. Sure. You'll have breakthrough. Breakthrough is not good. So that chart there is another one that we've compiled. The last one is one I don't use that much, but it's kind of a curious little fact that Randy Edinger pointed out from Suburban Water. He said, of course, this is 
being completely stupid bar talk geek stuff at Water Quality Advance, he goes, <laughs> you know why the brine tanks are the diameter they are? I'm like, no. You're going to tell me, though, aren't you? Why do they make them an 18, 24-inch diameter tanks? Brine tanks is, why did they come up with 18? An 18-inch tank is one gallon per inch. So you can get your tape measure and say how many gallons are in there by how many inches of water. So it makes it really easy. Your next size up is 24-inch. Mm. And 24-inch is two gallon per inch. And a 30-inch brine tank is three gallon per inch, blah, 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 keep on going. And that's why they did that, I think. That's why some founding father said, Pennies will be copper and brine tanks will be 18 and 24 inches. I, <laughs> Does it matter if they're round or square? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These are round brine tanks. Okay. It's real important when you get to commercial industrial. Yeah, it is. And we give you saturated brine, how many pounds of salt dissolve in a gallon of water. It's like little fun notes underneath there. How many hours it takes to make up brine. That's important. It's real important commercially, industrially. It's almost four to six hours, six to 12. Mm -hmm. I had some guys that did studies. If you sprayed water over the salt, mm -hmm. it's almost instant. Hmm. But that also turns your salt into a solid brick. Oh, So you really can't do that. But there's a lot of these brine fill first valves out there, which is a dry brine. So what it'll do is it goes into regeneration. It waits. It puts in the batch of water. Okay. So your brine tank's dry. Right makes up the batch, but you only put like an hour delay in there. If you properly say four hours of really saturated brine, mm -hmm. which is real important when you're doing iron removal, I wouldn't use that brine fill first on iron, critical okay. iron jobs. Assuming you're uh, using a water softener. Yeah, water softener for that, which we do up north. The problem is, is you don't get enough saturated brine or... If you wait four hours, the people are getting up in the morning because you, you spread the time. So yeah. it goes, it says, okay, one in the morning. So now it's going to be like five in the morning. So what happens yeah, is it, your... it initiates a regeneration, fills the brine tank, goes into a delay for four hours or one hour, whatever. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. And then four hours goes by and then you have another an hour and a half on your cycle. Mm -hmm. And I'm complaining. We never, well, not we for never residential use, it. use. Yeah, residential use is what they use it for. Though. Is it? Yeah, resort areas. Yeah, for non-iron applications. Okay, where customers have summer homes or mm -hmm. winter homes. Yep, they don't want to keep the brine yeah, because the salt turns into a solid brick. Sure. Okay. But that's a very popular option out there right now. Okay. I just wanted to go into that. So that's all I have. That's it. That's Trust it. the frog. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, you can call. Right. Yep, and hit the uh, Mycopedia and scroll down and find all these charts because that's what we do. Thank you. All right, bye-bye.